He also tells us that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we need to fix our eyes not on what we can see, for that is temporary, but what we can't see is eternal. He's got an eternal purpose in all of our pain, and He's working it out for our good and His glory. That good is not that everything turns out the way my human mind would want it to be, but that good is that I be conformed to the image of His Son, that I be made like Him so that He would be glorified in my life. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. Today, we are bringing you a story from Tama Knight from our Auburn Opelika community. Katie, tell us a little bit about her story. Well, I'm going to tell you first, there's two things about Tama's story. First of all, get pen and paper out because she mentions so many references to scripture, and especially if you know somebody who's struggling with grief get pen and paper out. Secondly, you are going to get chill bumps when you hear the end of her story, as we all did. So just be be prepared and be ready for the chill bumps at the end. I'm so appreciative of Tama for sharing this hard story, but also a story full of God's love and His faithfulness. That's right, Katie, and I'm excited for our Patreon community because they get a bonus story from Charlotte Lay, who is also from the Auburn Opelika area, and she is going to share about going through miscarriages, but more about the indescribable peace that God gave her when going through that circumstance. So you don't want to miss that, and if you are not a part of Patreon, we would love to have you over there. It's very simple to join. You can go to storytellerslive.org and join today, or simply scroll down right now in the show notes, and you you can join us. Also, while you're scrolling, would you just pause and do a quick thing for us as the new year begins? Our podcast is growing, and you can help it grow even more if you would simply subscribe, which is just hitting that little check mark, probably in the right-hand corner of your phone or device. And also, if you would leave us a rating and a review, that would help people find us even more. So we would just ask that you do that as we kick off the new year. And here is Tama. Thank you for coming. I'm blessed to see you all here. I, I, a lot of you I know from different parts and seasons of life, and it's a blessing to see you here and remember all the, the times I had. I'm Probably I said the youngest one that I've known since she was a baby was Joanna over here and Katie. They were our neighbors when I was in high school and on up. Used to babysit Joanna when they had cloth diapers, and that was a hard thing to change. <laughs> It was then we decided no cloth diapers when we had children. I I was eating lunch with Sarah about two weeks ago, two weeks ago, and she said, will you share your story that I'm on a board with storytellers? Will you share your story? And I said, I looked at her, I rolled my eyes, I think, at first, and she said, "Uh, why did you do that? And I said, well, and then the Lord quickly convicted me, you need to share and so I told her I would, and then she called me that afternoon, I think. <laughs> Somebody that was supposed to share tonight couldn't share tonight. So she said, can you share in two weeks? I already had an outline because I've shared this before, and I've added and taken away from it. So I said, sure, because, you know, the Lord does give us stories to share for His glory. He wants us to share them and not keep them for the benefit of others, and I know that. And so I've told the Lord that I will share this as long as I'm alive in order to minister to the people that need to hear it. I've seen him soften hardened hearts, people whose hearts 
have been hard at God because of things that have happened to them. I've seen him bring people who have turned away from the Lord back to the Lord because of my testimony. And I've seen him draw people who don't know the Lord to himself as a result of his faithfulness in my life. And I want to always share that. So tonight is my birthday, but it's not just my physical birthday. It's my spiritual birthday. Forty-two years ago tonight, on the campus of Auburn University at Haley Center, in a room, I was saved at Rats Bible Study that night. I grew up going to church. I prayed, ate, and read my Bible. I thought I was a Christian, but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. And he knew what was going to happen in the next 42 years. I didn't know, but he knew. I look back on those years and I think, I don't know where I'd be today without my Jesus. Because he came in and he changed my life. And he is real. He is my friend, my father, my savior. And he's never left me. When I was in high school, well, when I, after I got saved, I was in college, I, I met my husband maybe two months after I got saved. I was growing in the Lord and hungry for his word. And actually my brother, my whole family, except my mom had already been saved, but our whole family got saved within a year. My husband, Cliff, was the youth pastor at Lakeview at the time, and he was, had gotten my brother and was discipling him. And my dad says he quit discipling my brother and started discipling me. <laughs> so I met Cliff, and I remember one of the things he used to do with the youth was, um, he said, if you were to ever get arrested for um, your faith and you're put in jail without a Bible, how much scripture do you know? And he would let us have a piece of paper, and we'd write down what we knew. At that point, I didn't know very much. And so the Lord used that to convict me of my need to know his word. From that day on, I've sought to memorize the word of God. He says, let the word of God dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And so, Lord, I want your word dwell richly within me. That when I speak, it's not my words because my words have no power, but it's the word of God because God's word is living and active and it is sharper than any double-edged sword. And he uses his word to bring conviction and encouragement to our hearts. And so that is the desire of my heart. And, I, and when all these things came into my life, because my heart was full of truth, that truth came back to my mind. So I'm going to share my story, but in this story, I don't want you to hear my story, or our family's story, I want you to hear about the faithfulness and goodness of God in the midst of our story. Because he has been so very faithful and so very good, and he's never left us or forsaken us. A little bit about my family. Cliff is my husband. He's been at Lakeview for 42 years. And I've been there 38 of those years, ministering alongside of him. The Lord has blessed us with six children. Our oldest daughter... Becky is in Nashville, Tennessee. She's a, a high school girls soccer coach and a middle school girls PE teacher. And she spends her days discipling and mentoring those high school girls. And it's a blessing to see what the Lord's doing in her life. Our second child was a son, Cliff Lamar Knight Jr. And he died two and a half weeks before his due date. And I delivered him, and I'll tell her a little bit more, I delivered him uh, the day after I found out that he had died, knowing that he was not alive. Our third child, Whit, is now in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. He's the head 
landscape and horticulture manager of the city there. Our other, our fourth child was Ben. Well, I, I skipped Ben. Ben was before Whit. Ben was our third child. And Ben was our 26-year-old son who, after graduating physical therapy school at Alabama State University, died on the bottom of a mountain in Phoenix, Arizona, um, six and a half years ago. Our daughter, Ansley, was our fifth child. She's the only one married at this point. And Ansley, her husband, David, is deployed overseas right now in Europe. So Ansley and our, our only granddaughter, Dakota, have been living with us for the past five months. It's been a sweet, sweet blessing watching her learn to sit and crawl and all the things she does. Sweet blessing. We're going to miss them when they leave. And then Clay, our youngest son, is in San Francisco, California, and he's an accountant. So the Lord has blessed us with these children. And this has been all of our journey because the children, our family was close. And they loved their brother. And they've had to walk this too. And so we've had to walk it with them encouraging them in the Lord and pointing them to Jesus. And it's been neat. Even they have had opportunities to share the Lord with people. They all have tattoos. I never thought my children would have a tattoo. <laughs> and, and people are trying to talk me into getting one. They said, it'll go viral if we take you to get a tattoo. <laughs> I said, I'm not getting one. But they all have tattoos with mountains on them. And even today, somebody asked Whit about his tattoo. And he said, this is to remember my brother. It died six years ago, and he was able to share his story with that man that asked him about his tattoo, and they've all had opportunities like that. Because they all went together, not at the same places, but they all talked about it, and they, did it. they didn't ask our opinion or our thoughts. They were grown. They all went and got tattoos, but they were all with a mountain, and they were all in memory of Ben, and that was a sweet thing for a mama to see the other children coming together to do that. So let me start back with Cliff Jr. That was um, 34 years ago. I was pregnant with him. He quit moving. So for a few days, I didn't feel him moving. And then I got a little concerned, called the doctor. And the doctor said, drink a big Coke and lay on the couch. So I drank a Coke. I laid on the couch, still no movement. So they told me to come in to the doctor's office, and so I went. But before we went, I remember praying, Lord, whatever this news is, help us to trust you with it. And Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus I just want to say to you that that verse came alive in my life when Cliff Jr. died. I experienced a peace that I had never experienced before. And I, I could not explain it to anyone because how in the world can you have peace when your baby just died? You can't without Jesus. But he is our peace. And he will give you peace no matter how hard your life becomes. So that day, the nurse was doing her ultrasound. She did it the first time, and I think she knew, but she kept trying. She said, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that there's no heartbeat. Your baby has died. So at that point, Cliff and I were crying and just praying to the Lord, Lord, we don't understand, but we trust you, and we're surrendering our lives completely to you, 
and this baby to you. This baby was yours, and we give him back to you. I had to go to the hospital and deliver him. Uh, it was an all-day-long kind of thing. They had to give me medicine to make me have contractions so he would come. That was hard. And then when he did come, I didn't want to see him because I didn't know what he might look like because I knew he'd been dead a few days. And the nurses talked me into seeing him. And back then, they didn't take pictures of the babies, and they didn't let you, you didn't really hold him, so I never held him. But they brought him in a little basket for me to see. And he had a little smile on his face. And it's like, Mommy, I'm okay. I'm in the arms of Jesus. And I'll never forget that smile. So the next part of my story, another hard thing. The Lord had been faithful in the death of Cliff Jr. So another, I don't know how many, however many years it's been, I didn't really, I counted, but I forgot. We were at home one night, been at home, been at church near about all day. And about nine o'clock at night, a door, somebody knocked on our door, and it was a door that nobody ever comes to, really. It was a door that we kind of quit using. And I walked to the door, and the police were there. And all of our children were all over in different places. Only one was at home, and that was Ansley. She was still at home at that time. So I did, we didn't know who it was, but when two policemen come to your door, you know something's not right. And they came in, and they told us to call the police in Arizona. So we knew at that point it was Ben. And so we prayed, and we asked the Lord to be there. And he was there to help us once again. He'd already shown his faithfulness before, and we knew he was going to do it again because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. And he was there both times. We turned to the Lord, and he was there. He says he comes to us in our time of need and not before, because before I would just look at people around me, and I said, I could have never do that. And you know, you look at it, you say, I couldn't do that. You can do it when God is with you, because he will give you grace to endure anything when you know him, and you're walking with him, and he, you call out to him. Psalm one twelve seven is is a is a verse that I pray often and had prayed before. It says, "A righteous man will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord." I said, "Lord, help me not to fear bad news, but help me to always trust you, no matter what news I get." There's a quote by Jerry Rankin um, in a book called Spiritual Warfare that I read one time. It says, "Adversity is Satan's favorite weapon because it is common." To everyone, it causes us to focus on ourselves and doubt God. Satan delights in practicing his deception by speaking to our minds so that we indulge in a pity party, feeling abandoned by God and losing all hope. It is so easy for Satan to use adversity to defeat us because his deception leads us to believe that we are entitled to health, comfort, and security. Because we belong to God and he is sovereign and all-powerful, we think he should put a hedge of protection around us so that we never have to suffer or go through trials and hardships. Satan keeps us from recognizing that God allows us to suffer because it is our greatest opportunity to grow in faith, experience the depth and sufficiency of his love and grace, and glorify him by demonstrating the victory we have in Christ in spite of the most horrendous tragedy and loss. Suffering does not mean that God has forsaken us, that he is no longer in control or that he doesn't love us. It's just that he has something better for us, and we can never learn that and acquire that deeper relationship with him apart from suffering. So just a, a, I'm tell, I, I did a, taught a, 
Bible study to sixth grade girls for six months before Ben died. And the whole Bible study was on the sovereignty of God. And every Sunday, we talked about the sovereignty of God over all kinds of stuff. Sixth grade, preparing them for the future. And I remember telling those little girls, I said, when we talked about Job and how God had removed that hedge of protection, I said, if God ever removes that hedge of protection, I'm still going to trust him. So a few weeks after I said that, those little girls, we get the news of being, those little girls are watching Miss Thomas. Miss Thomas still trusting him. They'll never forget that because God is still faithful. So when we hear bad news and when things come, we have a choice to make right then. One of the choices, Satan will try to lie to us and say that God is not good because if he is good, this wouldn't have happened to you. When we believe that lie, we get mad at God, we turn from him, and we miss out on the blessing that he wants to give us. We miss out on his grace that he wants to bestow upon us. The other thing we can do is choose to trust God even when we don't understand. And that's what we chose to do, to trust God even when we don't understand because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So here's some truths that I know about God that have kept me standing in the midst of all this. First of all, I know that he is sovereign over all circumstances and that nothing comes as a surprise to him. He knew 42 years ago when I came to know him that when my baby was about to be born, he was going to die. And he knew that he was going to be right there with me. He also knew that so many years later, my 26-year-old son was going to die on the bottom of a mountain. And God was there again. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, The Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 31 15, Our times are in his hands. You have to believe these things because even as these truths help you rest in the sovereignty of God. Psalm 139, 16, all the days ordained for me were written in his book before one of them ever came to be. The Lord knew that when Ben Knight was 26 years old, that he was going to climb to the top of that mountain in 105 degree weather, and he was going to come down the mountain and die. His time was in the hands of the Lord. And those were the days the Lord had given him. Job 12, 10 says, In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Job 14, 4 says, Man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. I used to share that verse in Bible studies when I'd share the testimony of Cliff Jr. So here it goes again. When Ben died, sweet ladies, he's still good. He still does no wrong. All his ways are per- perfect. You, you have to believe that. But Satan would try to get you not to believe that and, and to harden your heart to the Lord. And when you do, you miss out on what he wants to give you because I've seen some very miserable people who have hardened their heart to the Lord because they believe the lie of Satan. Shall I accept good from God and not trouble? The example of Job, upon hearing the news that all of his children had died, it says he got up and tore his robes and shaved his head in mourning. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I would depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Our children don't belong to us. They belong to the Lord. And we need to hold our hands open. Lord, they're yours. Thank you for the time I do have, but they're yours. In Job's struggle, Job did struggle, but in his struggle, he trusted God. 
because he knew the character of his God. At the end of Job, the Lord speaks and reminds Job of who he is and all he has done bringing Job to his knees in repentance and humility. Job replies to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. A greater knowing of who God was in the midst of his pain. So in the midst of my deepest, darkest pain, I've come to know the Lord in deeper ways than I would have ever known him before. And before Cliff Jr. died, that had been a prayer. Lord, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in your sufferings and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. A few months after Cliff Jr. died, I realized that I knew the Lord in deeper ways than I had ever known him before because his word that I had memorized was coming alive in my life and he was filling me with a peace that I couldn't understand. He was giving me strength that I couldn't understand and I knew that it was only coming from him. He told us that in this world we would have much trouble, but with him we would overcome the world. He also tells us that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we need to fix our eyes not on what we can see, for that is temporary, but what we can't see is eternal. He's got an eternal purpose in all of our pain, and he's working it out for our good and his glory. That good is not that everything turns out the way my human mind would want it to be, but that good is that I be conformed to the image of his Son, that I be made like him so that he would be glorified in my life. The Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him, and no pain is ever wasted. He is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we might comfort others with the comfort he has given us. And that's what this storyteller does. This is our means of pointing others to Jesus and what he has done for us. And when Ben died, Cliff Jr. was Philippians 4, 6 through 7 and Proverbs 3, 5. When Ben died, that was the verse that stuck out to me. He is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. He was comforting me, not for me, but he was comforting me so I can comfort others by pointing them to Jesus who comforted me. This is what he's done for me. He can do it for you. And I've seen him do that. It's not about me. It's about bringing glory to the Lord. To walk by faith and not by sight, I must learn to live life in the light of eternity with my heart and mind set on Jesus. The Lord is my comforter. He will turn the ashes of my life into something beautiful. He will turn our mourning into dancing, and he will give me a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. God is working in my life and in my heart to show the world that he is God. You know, over and over as you read through the Bible, he says, I'm doing all these things so that they will know that I am God. So he works on our behalf so that the world will see our lives and know that he is God, that he is real, that he is good, and that he is who he says he is. When his presence, his strength, his joy, his peace, his help, his grace, his love carry me through the trials of life, others will come to see that, that he is real, and that all of his promises are yes or amen. In him. In closing, I'm going to share something that I don't share a lot, but I think it's important for you to know. Because this is a struggle we had, a struggle with the Lord, uh, but a trust in the Lord also. Ben was our prodigal child. The others are walking close to Jesus, love the Lord, but Ben always struggled in his walk with the Lord, and he hadn't walked with the Lord in many years. He supposedly gave his life to the Lord at the age of 12. But in his later teenage years and up until his death, there was no fruit in his life. He loved people well, but was in in bondage to many things that dishonored the Lord. We prayed for him to become a mighty man of God, which was God's will. That prayer was. But we never saw it come to pass. What do you do with that? Why did the Lord take him before he became a mighty man of God? 
We don't know. But we do know that our God does no wrong. And so we trust in his ways, that he is good, he is gracious, he is righteous. He took him for a reason. If he knew the Lord, he took him to spare him from evil. And that is our prayer. And we really have hope that Ben is with the Lord, because I know that he had enough truth in his heart that when he was on the bottom of that mountain, he knew he was in trouble, that he called out to the Lord. The young man that found Ben on the bottom of that mountain said, Mr. Knight, I'm where Ben was, and I'm not walking with the Lord, but I want you to know that I started praying again when I found Ben on the bottom of that trail, crying out to God to save him, and I did all I could to help him. Can you imagine being a 26-year-old trying to save the life of another 26-year-old and not being able to do it? He said, Mr. Knight, I want you to know that when Ben took his last breath, I felt the presence of the Lord all around us. Surely his goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life. That was comforting to hear. That young man came to know the Lord in that, I think, he bought a Bible and he sent a picture to us and it says, to his name, from Ben Knight, the day I started living for him. How do I display the glory of God? By reflecting his character. Instead of demanding an answer, I decided to trust him, recognizing that my circumstances provide an unparalleled opportunity to glorify God just by my trust in his unseen purpose. That came from a book that I read that was a great book called Holding On to Hope by Nancy Guthrie. Somebody gave that book to me after being died, and it's full of truth, and that's why I liked it, full of God's word. Romans 15, 13 is another verse that came so real in my life. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What causes us to receive the peace of God? Trust. He will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on thee. All the way when you're reading in the Bible, it says, Peace comes as we trust the Lord. Trust is believing that he is who he says he is and will do what he says he would do. One day... He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. He will make all things new. What a glorious day that will be. Until then, he is our unshakable hope. And because he is with us, we will not be shaken. Only Jesus. I shared this, some of this, in Uganda, Africa. Believe it or not, not long ago, after Ben, not long after Ben died. And you should have heard those ladies I was talking about heaven and what we'll know, but they suffer so much over there, so much. And they were saying, amen. I said, I, I, they were getting me going, you know. Every time I'd say something, they'd say, amen, amen, you know. They were ready for the Lord to come. They were ready for heaven. And they were exciting me as I was quoting scripture to them. But what a blessing it was. But um, I just want to say, all glory be to God. He is faithful and he'll carry you through anything this life brings because we're all going to face bad news because we live in a sinful fallen world and we're going to face it i remember teaching that i taught freshman girls bible study for nine years and we studied the book of james and it's talking about trials and a bunch of those sweet precious girls have gone through trials in their adult lives and i was sitting on the bed with one of them whose husband died at the age of 30 and she looked at me and she said, I still have my notes from freshman girls Bible study and they have so helped me in these days. God's word never returns void and it always is there to comfort us and encourage us. So stay in the word, 
know his word and stand on the promises of God because if we don't know his word, we can't stand on the promises because we don't know them. So thank you for letting me share tonight. I hope that you were encouraged and strengthened in your faith because of God's faithfulness in my life. You know, as I said at the beginning of this story, I mean, I just bet that there was a moment for you as a listener that you got chills when, especially the boy that found Ben, when he said that he had been not walking with the Lord, but he had never felt the presence of the Lord like he did when Ben actually passed away. It was just, to me, just a beautiful, beautiful picture of just the presence, the palpable presence of yeah. the Lord. Um, but you know, a couple of things that that Tama mentioned in the Q&A that I just wanted to let you guys know, just to have this background as well, was first of all, the boy that found Ben was not actually walking with him. He just happened to come upon him after he fell and stayed with him. And I think how purposeful of the Lord mm-hmm. to use that, you know, just to and I think as a mother, I think, you know, the tragedy of losing a child, but the sweetness of God and bringing another boy the same age to the Lord through his death just would give me some peace and hope. And I think that's what Tama actually, you know, was referencing mm-hmm. a little bit. Yes, Katie, and as a mom, that he didn't die alone. Yes, yeah. yes, and that somebody yeah. was with him. And, you know, the other thing that Thomas said as well was that they weren't sure, but they thought that Ben was actually hiking to look for trails for them to go on because they were planning on going to visit him. And the day that his body was actually flown back home was the day that they were supposed to fly out. And I think, gosh, that's just another layer of grief you know, as a mom. But again, Tama was so filled with scripture that there was a peace. Yes, there was so much grief in her voice as well, but there was also, it was layered with a peace and and a faithfulness of God's love and hope in eternity. You know, I think that's the other thing too that this story gave me is just this, uh, I want to be focused on eternity and I want to live my life purposeful like she is. Well, and not only that, this story was so purposeful, and and yes, she had so much scripture stored up, but I was so inspired by by how Tama is pouring into the next generation, that she was leading freshman girl Bible studies, that she literally was leading the sixth grade study on the sovereignty of God Mm. when Ben passed away. And and that just struck me, just how intentional our God is. And that he prepared her even when she was not aware. I love that so much. You know, we hear over and over through our stories these tiny details of how God shows up in what could have been the smallest moment and turns out to be the biggest moment. You know, that's why we called our Bible studies when God shows up. He's always present. But in these tiny moments, and Thomas' story is just filled with them. Even for meeting her husband, I thought it was so cute uh, that he was the youth pastor. But that he had them, you know, if you find yourself without a Bible and you are locked away somewhere, how much scripture do you know? And he gave Mm. them a blank sheet of paper. Mm. Like there was so many things like that that then led up to her needing to call on the Lord in times where she probably wasn't able to read her Bible. Her grief was so heavy, but because the 
it was all in her, you know, mm-hmm. and just moment after moment that we've talked about right here this morning is it's just the ways God has shown up over and over. And, you know, I listened to this story twice. Yeah. We usually, you know, we'll listen to record the episode, but I had actually listened to this one a while back as well. And I will tell you the second time, I took even more notes. Yeah. And so I would encourage you, you know, if there's a sto- if this story, if there is a story that speaks to you, go back and re-listen. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what God can continue to show you. You know, speaking about re-listening as well, one of the things that Thomas Story reminded me of just because she did struggle in the tragedy of going through the miscarriage and how God prepared her heart for losing Ben, you know, because of that, it reminded me so much of Susan Simon's story. If you have not heard Susan Simon's story, we did link that at the bottom because oh wow, her story is so full of so much wisdom as well. Thomas' story reminded me of last week's story from Allison Hold, where she challenged, where she was challenged by her pastor to start reading the Bible. And I think the practical application was five minutes of worship music, five minutes reading the Word, and five minutes of prayer. And so we just want to encourage you as we start the new year, even just starting with two minutes. If you're like, hey man, I can't do 15, (laughs) just start with two and see what the Lord does. Because I think Thomas' story just reminds us the importance, as we have said here, of storing up that word in your heart. God's word will not return void, and you will be amazed at how he will use it in your life. Well, thanks so much for listening today. If Thomas' story spoke to you, you know, we've actually gotten some requests for stories on processing grief, and I feel like this is a great one. And so if that's you today, we hope that you really were able to learn from this or share with a friend who may need to hear this story. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.